welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. Today, we have a research review. So I have with me our Chief Science Officer, Dr. Brandon Roberts, and we are going to dive into training today. Um, I'm excited about this one because, honestly, I'm always excited about these because they're always... I feel like the last probably three months since we've been separating, we've been picking really good topics. I mean, maybe I'm biased to the topics, but we've been really picking good ones. Um, But today we're talking about training. We're talking about percentage-based training versus uh, perceived exertion. So things like RPE or RIR scales. And then last but not least, we're talking about velocity-based training. So comparing these three modalities, which one is the better route um, for you, the listener, right? Well, what do we find in studies? And then also what's maybe the most practical? And we'll kind of go into all three. And I know I'll have my opinions to share on two of them. One, I don't have much experience with uh, one I lived and died by once upon a time and now I, I stick to to one specific one which is the RPE scale typically but um, I'm excited for you to go through these man so kind of break down the study for us and then we can get into a discussion about it yeah so there was a, a recent meta-analysis that came out and that kind of prompted this um, this topic I saw it and it was like okay this will be a good a good talking point um, so just to start off with we have three types of training um, and you can actually combine these, but for purposes of right now, we're just going to keep them separate. You have RPE, RIR, which is just like how many repetitions in reserve, how close are you to failure? So a nine would be like, I have one rep left. Um, you have, and then it goes down from there. You have percentage-based training, which is more traditional, like 75% 1RM. You need a one rep max to use percentages. Um, so you have to one rep max, right? Uh, and then the last one, it's not newer, but it's a less used, I think, especially in like the fitness world. It's it's more used probably in the, the athletic world with uh, power sports type things uh, is velocity-based training. And the idea there is you kind of do either a rep max or a max, you know, your bar speed. Um, and then during your training, you have your first set, take your first rep, right? You have a bar speed. And at some point, you decide to stop your set based on the reduction in velocity that occurs, right? So it's kind of auto-regulation, but more objective than the RPE, RIR, which is subjective. It's just like, how are you feeling? Um, so those are the main three types of training. Now, uh, this meta-analysis was on hypertrophy and strength. Um, and interestingly... They didn't find a whole lot. Uh, there is a slight benefit. It looks like there's like, it's so minimal. It's like probably like 2% if you're really looking hard um, to RPERIR for hypertrophy. Um, but that comes from, uh, I think, five studies max. Like there's really just not many studies in this area. And even within those studies, in the analysis that they used, um, they counted different exercises as different data points. So that just shows you that there's really not much out there comparing these three, but what does exist says, um, hey, for hypertrophy, RPERIR might be a little bit better. Now for strength, right? So we have some maybe power lifters that listen. Um, they are all about the same. Like there was not much difference at all. Um, all of them, like the focus of the review was like, all of these improve your strength. Good, good job. Right. <laughs> um, and I was, when I was reading, I was like, okay, they, they really didn't have anything. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's kind of the take home from this new meta analysis on the topic that directly compares three, these three things. Um, but I think we can get into some of the, the details of like how it, you would use this and, and why and which version we like and things. Yeah, um, I, I've had one person ever who, and he was like this dude that just, there was a new gadget, the guy got it. Like that was just, that's how he was. And he didn't use this one for very long because it was always rotating which new gadget he bought. Um, but it was the velocity thing. So he would like, basically it was like a magnet, but it was a reader. You would put it on the squat rack and it would read his velocity and he could actually track the speed of his reps and stuff. Um, and it was actually years ago. So at the time, I didn't really know how to use it properly. I don't think he did either. He just thought it was fucking cool that he could just track his speed, right? And he was just trying to maintain his speed, which ends up being kind of what you're trying to do anyway. Um, I, I was going to say that I think, number one, it, it's somewhat hard, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, like, it's it's kind of hard to do research on RPE and RIR. Like, I know there is good research on it, but to me, anything that's subjective becomes very difficult to create research around because, well, it's an opinion, right? It's subjective. How do you feel? And I think you have to be a very, very aware and in tuned trainee in order to give very quality uh, feedback, basically, subjective feedback on what you're doing, right? Uh, versus velocity-based training would make a lot of sense because it's objective, right? You either do or you don't. Uh, the problem there is I, I feel like RPE would, and it does, make more sense for hypertrophy only because, you know, even if my bar speed slows down, if I get the volume in, I'm probably going to grow. So even if it slows down, am I still getting the reps done even if there's some grinders? Great. Then that's the main point. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if we look at the RPRI research, which Helms and sort of have done like the bulk of it, like there's one other study, I think, Um the farther you get away from um, like one lap, one rep left or zero or failure, the less accurate you are. And so if you ever look at the RPE scale, like kind of hard, you'll notice that below six, it's kind of like ish, like four ish reps, four to six reps, you know, it gets a little, little shady. Um, so, you know, with the, that's, that's subjective, right? I, if I'm more than four reps from failure, like I don't really know where failure is. Yeah. Um, and a good way to test that is, you know, having clients go to failure occasionally be like, Hey, last set or middle set is even better. Um, go to failure and kind of adjust how your RP is based on how many more reps you get. Um, as, as long as you're like, honestly doing that, it's a really good tool, um, to check yourself. Yeah. hundred percent agree. I think, uh, the other thing there too is that velocity-based training, it, to me, it makes more sense with strength only because not a lot of people even, nor do they worry about their speed, but they don't really need to necessarily for a lot of the goals that they have. But for strength and performance, especially for an athlete uh, or a powerlifter who has dynamic days and they're doing like speed, deadlift, speed, like obviously it makes a big difference. And even just knowing like if you're just grinding through a rep, it's probably a sign you need to like lower the weight, stop working, whatever it may be. Whereas for hypertrophy, you could just lower the weight and keep going because you just want to get the volume in. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, you mentioned the, the units earlier. So there's like, oh man, there's, there's a Tendo unit. There's probably like a dozen different velocity based like devices you can buy. And when they first come out, they actually hooked up to your bar, which was kind of obtrusive, right? Imagine two, two, two little pieces of string that go around your bar and hook up to this thing behind you, right. To measure your bar speed. Yeah. Um, not, not ideal. Nowadays we actually can do it from 
a screen so you can pull it up an app um called like bar path or something and it's free and you can like video yourself doing it and then it'll track bar speed oh, and cool. bar position but again it's good to check yourself on um form every now and then or if you're you know more in the powerlifting realm might be a good tool um i stopped using it after i kind of figured it out yeah you know, i had a couple of clients that used it and liked it but it, it was it was a little little better than the the units because you didn't have to go buy anything um but it wasn't perfect either what i would say is probably more valuable for a lot of people listening is an app like that to to correct your bar path because a lot of people just don't have good form but you know if your goal is aesthetic which most of the people listening tend to want either a combination of strength and body composition changes or just strictly body composition changes um having that in your toolbox would be nice because if you are you know especially when we're trying to utilize rpe we're getting closer and closer to failure your bar path is more and more likely to get screwed up and your form is more and more likely to suffer and so if you have something that can track your bar path that can be a good gauge of rpe actually is like getting as close as you can to failure of course with perfect form you know because to me like an rpe 10 or failure like what do they call it there's there's mechanical failure and then technical failure is that yeah so there's like concentric muscle failure which is like you can't like say you're curling you can't move it upwards then there's like momentary muscular failure which is just like you failing anywhere in the rep um i think there's one more but that's it, it's it's really hard to tell sometimes what type of failure some of the research is even using so you know for people it's even harder yeah well and that's where like I, when i'm coaching rpe i'm usually saying like we're, we're going off of because i will program rpe 9 or 10 but i say this is like technical failure so if it's a 10 I want you to finish the rep, but your form is starting to get iffy. And I will only program that on a lift where I know even if your form is iffy, it's not going to hurt you. You know, we're probably not doing that on a back squat. Um, whereas mechanical failure to me is like, like you said, you just can't even finish the rep. You, you finish with the bar on your chest and you're like, hey, buddy, can you help me get this off? You know, <laughs> yeah. that's where you just stop. You shut down. Um, I don't see the problem with technical failure if you classify it as, as like I've completed the full range of motion rep, but my form started suffering, right? Or RPE nine would be, I'm one rep away from having really bad squat form. Cool. Yeah. You're, you're working yeah. hard there. And um, one of the things that I think it's important to point out is, you know, some of our discussions have gotten more in depth where like general population, hypertrophy, strength, like you mentioned, people may not care about some of this stuff and that, and that's okay. Like that's totally normal. Um, but we, when we get into some of the athletes, I think that's when the velocity-based training really starts to shine because the data suggests that you can do less volume, which means you could be like fresher for sports or fresher for some other thing that you need to do. Um, whereas in hypertrophy work or general fitness work, does it really matter that much? Um, so I did want to highlight that one advantage, which is pretty clear in the, in the science. So I think that's important to point out. Yeah. So, with this specific study, basically the conclusion is that any of them work equally well, or what was the, or one, or, yeah, or yeah. Uh, VBT for velocity based training for more for strength, the others for hypertrophy, or what was the conclusion? Yeah, so RPERIR seems to have a small benefit. Again, we're talking like percentage points um, for hypertrophy. Um, for one RM, like 
max or increasing pure strength, um, VBT had a slight benefit because you're doing less volume. Like I feel like we should give that, that's a pretty good benefit if you can do, you know, 20% less volume and get the same strength. That's pretty nice. Um, and then the, the percentage-based training, it's not like it's bad. You're still going to improve. Um, and I encourage people to use it and plan because there's nothing like a traditional linear periodization of 75%, 80%, 90%, working your way up and down. I think if you're a beginner, um, that's a good way to get a solid training program. But as you kind of prepare to use RPE, RIR. Um, so, you know, they all have their, their uses, but there was clear winners for, for certain things. Got it. Uh, to wrap us up, I think it would be cool to just kind of go over what we do. So what, what is your preference for your own training and the people you've coached in the past? Yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of RPE, RIR. If I'm not using that, I will do um, something call well i'll use percentage based training if i think that there's a little left in the tank especially for my main lifts so if i'm working with you know a power lifter or someone who power builds um, maybe they'll do percentage for their squat bench and dead and then the rest of it will use rpe rir um, me personally nowadays i just do rpe because i don't really care that much about strength um yeah so that's pretty simple yeah, uh, I'm I'm pretty similar. I, I have like a blend of. I have I would say I use percentage based training for my compounds with the guidance of RPE because there's been days where I come in and and you know the paper says I'm supposed to lift this much and I'm I'm kind of feeling it out on the way and I know I'm supposed to hit that percentage but it should be an RPE of blank and uh, or an RIR same thing in the inverse essentially. Um, and if it's just not, it's just not the day I know to fall back on the RPE over the percentage, you know? So that's why I say guided by, cause I think it's the, the, all the times I've hurt my low back deadlifting, it's been from when I'm like, so like my ego is basically like, I have to hit these numbers on the paper and I didn't listen to my body and it wasn't the day, whether it was bad sleep, bad warm up, just not the day, whatever it may be. Um, but at the same time, it's also worked in the reverse where I've had percentages that were underestimated and it's a great day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm actually going to, I'm going to do this for doubles or triples instead of singles, or I'm going to bump it up 5% because I feel so good today. And I think I underestimate the percentage. So I think having a combination is good. And then I, I'm with you, RPE and RIR for all accessory and isolation work. It just tends to work way better. Yeah. And, and for beginners, I'll add one more thing. Um, you know, one rep maxing can be a bit intimidating and you can have a lot of variability around your max, right? Like you can have a good day or you can have a bad day and that's then going to influence your next four to eight to 12 weeks, or whatever. So, you know, there are some nuances, but, um, I think all of them work and it's nice to see some variation now and again too. So this would be a good question for you. I, I know we've talked about like muscle fiber dominance in the past on some of these, um, there's obviously certain people that like, I, I remember, and I would guess I'm more slow twitch dominant, but I, I remember having a buddy who was complete opposite me and his one at max one to three at max was just insane. But if we were doing sets of eight or 10, I just crushed him on the same lift. So for example, like, would that be applicable to kind of pay attention to that? And so like, instead of me going, Hey, I'm going to find my one rep max and then base percentages off it. 
In fact, I'm just going to base it off of my eight rep max and use a one rep max, cal- max calculator. And then that's going to help me build strength. Um, and I don't have to risk injury trying to find my one rep max, or maybe that shoots me in the foot because my eight rep max is so much more impressive. It's not as applicable. And I end up having percentages that are above what I can actually do. Yeah. So when, when you get in the eight rep max specifically range, um, it, there's a lot of variability between people. So the formulas are based on large populations. They're, they're done as best they can be done, um, but it's a prediction equation, right? So you put everybody out there, you run a line through it, you've got the middle, you have a nice correlation, it gives you a, a good algebra problem. Um, the closer you get to 1RM, the better the prediction will be generally. Um, but I think when you're programming for hypertrophy, it's probably good to know like an 8RM because that's where your moisture work is going to be at anyway. So, you know, you can use both, but I I don't know if I would use an 8RM to use to to predict a 1RM and then try to do stuff off that. That might be a little more difficult or under or overprescribed. 3RM make more sense? Yeah, 3 is pretty solid. Like you give me a 3RM, I'm like, okay, I can predict your 1RM within like, five percent or something yeah yeah i i I like actually programming um i used to do this more um i have people that want to build strength but there's just very rarely do i find it necessary to actually find somebody's one rm especially for the people i work with uh just because the injury risk and the reward is not any greater than a three rm outside of saying what your one rm is right so um but joe defranco used to program work to sub max three rm all the time like that was your compound lift instead of saying three by three or three you know five through one or anything it was just work to your three at max and it was always like 95 percent. you're not going to absolute effort but it was cool because you just had a bunch of workup sets and you would find your relative three rm over the course of those sets and then next week you do it again you know and it was kind of like a conjugate style of lifting except true conjugate method they go to a one rm every single week and it's just like you got to be a uh superhuman in more ways than one (laughs) in in order to do that you know so um not typically my recommended way of training but um Cool. Well, I think this is really well-rounded, guys. I mean, for the most part, you guys listening, most of you won't have access to velocity-based training unless you go out and buy a tool. If you're uh, one of the gadget geeks, go grab one. It can be a fun experiment. Um, There's also apps, apparently, that you can use for that stuff. Otherwise, for most people, RPE and RIR is a great way to go, and it's been proven by research. It's proven in our experience as well. Uh, Percentages are kind of the route to take uh, as far as figuring out about what you should be lifting on your compound lifts, but then just remember to fall back on that RPE because that's how we kind of uh, auto-regulate our training to progress while avoiding any injury. Do you have anything else, Dad? No, man. You got got it going. Perfect. All right, guys. Well, that is a wrap for today's research review. As always, leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify and iTunes. We appreciate you listening, and we will catch you next time.